I would say one of the biggest mistakes that you can make whenever you're creating a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog, whatever it is, is not really understanding who you're talking to, right? If you're trying to talk to everyone, you end up talking to no one. So really being clear, like, hey, I'm going to make this podcast specifically for incident commanders that are working in the high tech space, right? The the riches are in the niches is what they say. So really being clear and then that enables you to be empathetic to whatever that plight is, because then you understand the pain points, you understand what are the needs, what are the, 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 the tips, the tricks that this particular demographic needs. So if you don't really understand who you're talking to, you're going to have a hard time getting any type of traction. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 76 of the Textual Talk podcast. Well, I'm your host, HD. We talk about all things tech, career advice, cybersecurity, career advice, and much, much more. Today, we'll be graced with the two hosts of Hacker Valley Studios, Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings. Now, these two guys already have extensive experience in cybersecurity, and they have transitioned from being that to full-time businessmen and content creators. And if you have not familiar with Hacker Valley Studios, I've been on their podcast before, and they put out a superb product. They're about educating people about cybersecurity and also entertaining them much more like I do. And in today's episode, they'll be talking about kind of like the past, how they meet each other, what do they want to do with Hacker Valley Studios, and kind of what's next for the company. So if you're ready to hear what they have to say, you're our guest. All right, everybody, we got my guys right here. Hacker Valley is in the building. Let me give them some gunshots real quick. Um, if you're not familiar with these two guys, man, they are really, um, I would call them like pioneers. It was a uh, crazy for me. The first time I was like, got into the space. I start seeing these two, uh, black brothers are doing their thing, like on a very high level when it comes to podcasting. And that was just inspiring for me to keep going because typically most of us who are familiar with podcasts outside of like, most we would see like entertainment podcasts and things mm-hmm. like that. We don't really see. Uh, people from actual professional corporate backgrounds and actually doing professional uh, corporate type uh, informative and also educational podcasts of the nature, this nature, like these two are doing. Um, so kind of want our listeners and uh, our viewers to kind of understand who you guys are uh, briefly. So could you go ahead and give like a background of uh, you two or like your background? What <laughs> you can take your turns. Yeah. You want to go first, Ron? Take it away, Chris. I'll go first. Uh, what's going on, everybody? Chris Cochran, uh, one half of the founding team of Hacker Valley Media. Uh, yeah, we've been in cybersecurity about 15 years or so. I've had the privilege of being at organizations like the United States Marine Corps, National Security Agency, United States Cyber Command, Netflix, Mandiant. Uh, and now I do content full time. I make content for cybersecurity practitioners. Uh, and we, we live in this realm we call uh, cybertainment, which is both information, education, but also entertainment for the cybersecurity community. And I'm Ron Eddings, the other half of Hacker Valley Media. And uh, similar to Chris, I started off in uh, technology just right out the gate into cybersecurity and have been practicing for years. And I decided to take the second half of my career, which I'm on now, and really focus on empowering and making people better. And that's why we do the podcast along with our many other projects in the form of video, audio, and even digital. That's dope. That's dope. How did you, so let's, let's ask this question then. How was Hacker Valley born? Like, how did you two cross paths and decide, hey, we should do, you know, a podcast and the and what kept you doing it? Because we know most podcasts, I think I read a stat somewhere, and um, it was like after I think I posted the Joe Budden and Nori 
snippet when they're talking about you know people just getting mics and stuff thinking right. to start podcasts. But mm-hmm. yep. most podcasts, I think, don't last longer than like eight episodes on average. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. I mm-hmm. could be off, but we pod see fade. them come and go all the time. Yeah, like Chris just said, it's called Pod Fade. And when we started, I, I love this story because when we first started, I didn't realize we were doing a podcast. Chris uh, and I have known each other for. A long time. We we worked together back in Maryland, where I'm originally from. Chris is from Atlanta. And we worked together for about six to eight months at this company called Ironnet Cybersecurity. And I ultimately moved to California. And I was there for about two years. Chris was on his way to Cali. I didn't know this, but I, I saw that he was doing like these Instagram fitness videos. And I was like, what? That's That's pretty awesome. Literally months later, he calls me and is like, hey, I'm about to move to California. Let's link up. Let's chat. I was like, for sure, this is my bro. We we met up, and I had happened to be living with one of my friends, and we we're trying to build a hacker house. We were trying to like live the Silicon Valley dream. So we bought we 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 rented this big mansion. <laughs> exactly, we rented this big mansion, and uh, Chris was like, "Hey, my my wife and kids aren't moving for three to six months. I heard you got this hacker mansion. Like, what's up?" And I was like, "I was just about to ask you about that." We. Chris ultimately moved to uh, San Jose, California. We were doing all types of uh, self-improvement things like doing yoga at this mansion. We were uh, we even had this house blessed by Buddhist monks when we first moved in. Uh, And, you know, we were building a brotherhood. I was working on YouTube channels for about like three months, creating videos on exploitation, how to hack and things like that. And. Chris was like, hey, you know, I'm trying to, you know, get into the content game. You saw my fitness videos and we wanted to do something together. We just jumped on the mics and I thought we were creating a YouTube channel. But (laughs) turns out we were really creating a podcast because like our videos were not at flattering angles. I think like the camera was pointed like underneath of our chins. So we had like this double chin effect. And uh, we really just focused on the craft of podcasting for the first two and a half years of being in business and dropped out the video for uh, quite a while. But now we're back into the video game, but still, you know, podcasting is our, is our business. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to that is that that environment where you had four minority men focused on cybersecurity and personal growth and development, we were like, no one gets this opportunity, right? Like I I have three kids. There's no way I'm going to live with, you know, three other guys for three months, completely focused on personal growth and development, completely focused on my career. I was like, how do we share this information? How do we share the essence of this experience with other folks? And that's what we put into the podcast. Man, uh, that's dope. So I don't know how that feeling is. You feel somebody like you, you meet them. It's like, man, we could, we could really, well, even though you said like, you didn't know that y'all were doing a podcast at first, kind Mm -hmm. of just like, y'all just talking and just, you know, kind of just letting it be like natural. And right. I had a feeling too, uh, one of my friends, that's how it is. Like when we're on the mic together, it's like, man, this is, this is easy. Like yeah. <laughs> if we can get paid to do this, this is, mm-hmm. this is easy. Uh, so how was that transition from like, okay, I guess what type of traction did you guys start picking up to where it's like people like us together. And I think we could, you know, market this and take it to the next level. How did, yeah. how did that process go? Like how many episodes in, I guess where you guys um, so far before you decided, let's really like take a full swing at this. 
Oof, yeah, full swing. Yeah, that that's a that's a harder question to answer. But to your point about like kind of like the flow between co-hosts, I mean, it was immediate. I mean, if you go back to episode one, which is still up out there, uh, so for people to listen to, it's not the best episode ever. Uh, we've definitely grown by leaps and bounds since then. But even in that first conversation, you can see that Ron and I have just like this this chemistry. We got this flow, and we mean maintain it to this day, and it's just gotten better over time. But we really didn't even see what we were doing as like becoming a business. We really looked at it as being a service to everyone in cybersecurity. And it honestly became an excuse for us to talk to cool people and ask great questions. Uh, but the more we did it, the more we realized like, wow, we can actually make a difference. We can actually, you know, help people in their career. We can help highlight other people that are in our space. And so that just kind of like grew on top of each other. We always talk about these incremental improvements in our lives, and that's what builds greatness. It was the podcast was the same thing. We just slowly but surely built layer on layer, like almost like layers of paint, very, very slow. But then it just hit this inflection point. And I think part of the inflection point in, in some sad way was COVID, because when COVID happened, a lot of folks stopped creating content. And we said, you know, instead of you know, shuttering things up. Let's make more content because at the time, you know, people weren't going to the movies, movies stopped being produced. And to be honest, the thing that inspired me the most was uh, my daughter, my middle daughter. She wanted to watch Sonic, uh, the, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie so bad uh, when it was coming out. We were going to go to the movie theater, but then they said, hey, we're going to shut her for who, who knows how long. And she asked me, hey, dad, you know, when are we going to see Sonic? And I was gutted. I was like, I, I just don't know. And then they said, hey, we're going to put Sonic out online for people to watch like from home. And I was like, wow, this is one of the only times I, I sat down and I wrote a tweet to the, the, the production house. I was like, thank you so much for doing this. You made me look like a, a superhero dad. And when that happened, I thought, you know, what if there are other people out there that are looking and waiting for content to continue to come out so they have something to look forward to? So when we started putting out two episodes a week, and I think we did it for about eight months or so. And uh, honestly, that was like one of probably the biggest inflection points, just being there for everyone. And then everyone was there for us after the fact. That's dope, especially when you brought in COVID in the sense you're saying like, you know, we saw people stop creating content. I think COVID is like when I decided I was going to actually start. Well, I pivoted my previous content from um, talking about like boxing on my other YouTube channel to going into what I talk about now, which I started like the channel first, then the uh, business, then like the actual podcast started, I think late 2020, I believe. And um, you're right though. I, I think I saw a rise of content creators and two things. And I can guess I can ask you guys, what was your mindset about that? And then I'll tell you mine was like, um, we all know like the job force is always kind of like uncertain, not knowing what's going on. But the fact that you do have expertise in certain areas, people that want to get into these, you know, realms and some of the stuff that, you know, we talk about isn't online everywhere. Or if it is, sometimes it's put together in a manner that everyone can't digest. And I think that's the beauty of having many different people, especially people that look like us talking about it. I get so many comments about people saying, man, it's you know refreshing to see a face that looks like mine, you know, on here talking about these type of things. Cause I always go back to when I was trying to get into cybersecurity years ago, it, this information wasn't out here. These kind of talks weren't out here. If you had to get in there, most advice you got was, oh, go get the CEH and the Security Plus, and hopefully you'll go land a job. But now we have so many different talks. 
with whether it's a hiring manager, big execs from different companies, uh, recruiters, all these different things now coming by way of like, you know, uh, podcasts like yours and mine that um, it's been helpful for a lot of people. So I would say was also maybe thinking about transitioning out of the the corporate rat race or the grind, something else that you guys considered when it came to let's like start this thing to be like a business um, to just, I guess, either market for the business or just for yourself to where like, if all else fails, we have this to uh, fall back on and we can always bet on ourselves. That's a, that's a good question about the corporate rat race part. That's a slippery slope. I mean, when are you ever really in or out? I think that's like really depends on your lifestyle. I think with cybersecurity, you have a lot of opportunity to not be in the hustle and bustle uh, we actually just had this uh, researcher on, uh, Miko Hiponen, and he's always been a researcher. And that's kind of like where I've spent most of my career in cybersecurity, like doing research, uh, serving as a leader, but never really in the sock and feeling like that corporate rat race or, you know, burnout that a lot of engineers and analysts feel. Uh, but when it comes to the podcast, uh, one of the things that we didn't know we were doing was building a business. It was episode 41 on our podcast. We had this uh, friend of ours. Got to have him on yours. And whoever mm-hmm. doesn't know him yet, got to meet him. His name is MK Palmore. He's uh, uh, one of he's in the CISO business unit at Google today. And uh, he came on our podcast and he said, I love working with young black entrepreneurs. And at that point, you know, 41 episodes in, we, we there's no monetization aspect. We didn't mm-hmm. have uh, a business. We no incorporation, <laughs> LLC, S Corp, none of this. And um, he kind of put the pieces <laughs> into motion <laughs> for letting us know, you know, you guys could think different. It was almost like giving us the permission to uh, sell what we're good at. I think when, you know, you look at working for companies, you forget that you could sell that individually. And I think having the podcast, not only did we learn that we could sell our content, but we could be consultants. We could, you know, be researchers. We have the ability to learn and we have access to hundreds of people now with the, just doing the podcast for almost four years. So it's like, what is not for, for sale? What is not, what can't, what can't be a business opportunity? Really? Everything can be. And the only thing that we have to do is learn and be passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if I could add to that a little bit, I spent a lot of time in the SOC, uh, security operations, threat intel, threat hunting, security analysis. And, you know, that's hard work. You know, if you're going through all of those alerts, you're going through all those tickets every single day, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of thankless work. And I loved being a leader, but what I also saw was an opportunity to really scale our impact. So Ron and I, we said, hey, we can do great as leaders for these teams, but could we do something even more for our entire community through content, like amplifying voices, you know, bringing things to the forefront that people might not be talking about or highlighting people that are doing great work, but they will never be seen because there hasn't been like an attack that, that kind of goes around it. So that's part of the reason why we said, you know what, you know, it's great being in cybersecurity, doing the work, but we saw an avenue to really help the community across the board with the skills that we have. You know what I'll also say is it feels like, especially as of late, all of the things that I've been learning throughout my life are now coming to this point of convergence. When I first got started in cybersecurity was through uh, Texas local Marcus J. Carey. 
uh, he was living in Maryland at the time and he came into this studio I was working at. I was a cameraman and, you know, he gave me the introduction to cybersecurity. And now literally 10, 12 years later, I'm taking the knowledge that I had from being a cameraman and applying it to cybersecurity because mm. technology has opened up and revolutionized so much that I have the opportunity to combine all these auxiliary skills into something that is rare and valuable. That's dope. And yeah, that's what I tell like when I when I talk to clients and they're trying to get into cybersecurity, right? I always tell them like don't feel like whatever you've been previously doing will not bring a unique perspective to that team. And I was uh telling them how I had did some um interviews last year in Q4. Like for example, uh but I was interviewing with Microsoft for like a senior security analyst role. And the guy was talking, he's like, you know what, like your background, because at that time I had transition, I was at Optif, and then last two years I was in finance, mm-hmm. uh, Goldman Sachs, and then yep. JP Morgan. And he was like, you know, your background will be different than a lot of people we've talked to, and that could be needed. Because as we all know, when it comes to security, everyone has biases. Like mm-hmm. even now doing something different, like a bias on what I'm accustomed to looking at versus what they see. But bringing new eyes and they come in and, and ask these different questions or why isn't like this, why isn't like that actually helps enhance the team and possibly could, you know, prevent them from having some of those uh, breaches that we've been seeing lately. And I think one of the things that will help cybersecurity uh, prosper is for hiring managers to probably get out the bias of their, you know, typical person that they want to hire versus yep. being open to someone that doesn't have that necessarily normal skill set that they should have a person that actually wants to learn and it's going to bring new value there. Like uh, one of the guys I'm working with now, uh, I think he comes from like a construction background. And so he kind of was thinking about his uh, background and kind of getting down on it. I was like, no, that's like, <laughs> I was like construction. You're, you had a job where you had to show attention to detail and these other things and build into plan that is going to transition over to anything you do because most of the more important things that comes with uh, cybersecurity, you know, in my opinion, has to do with like compliance and things aren't, out, you know, in compliance. Then that's when we typically see some of these breaches happen. And it's probably going to be something to happen in a, in a couple of weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, that's dope, especially talking about um, I didn't even know you were a cameraman, uh, Ron. No wonder. um <laughs> You guys, as I've always looked at you guys, like set up, like when you guys started really, really pushing, like for more um, video content. And I started seeing that. I was like, you know, that's dope. Like either you or Chris and like other people have been, you know, studying uh, different angles and just camera shots, lighting, mm-hmm. audio, all those different things really start setting yourself apart when it comes to this. You know, I, I, I can automatically look at some people. Um, and see if they are taking, you know, this seriously or are they just trying to do it as a money grab? And that is like attention to detail and mm-hmm. how they approach doing it and, and how they do it. Are they trying to get better in every episode? And um, yeah. I've always seen that in you guys, especially even from our episode. I was like, man, I sound like, you know, <laughs> I'm legit <laughs> when I listen to the beginning of the episode, man. So uh, I was like, uh, uh, this is this is definitely dope. So. Let's uh, talk about you guys is um, why the name Hacker Valley? Because <laughs> well, actually, before I say Hacker, uh, before I ask you about Hacker Valley name, Hacker House 
and hopefully you wrote this down and maybe got a pen somewhere, but that seems like a good show. It would be a good show. <laughs> it, it would be a fantastic show. But yeah, it, we've even thought about trying to replicate it. Yeah, like what we used to watch back on like MTV and stuff like that. They get all these people in the house. What inspired, I guess, like Hacker Valley, right? Like, because think about it, it's only, only one thing I think about now is like Hacker Valley. Like, is this a it sticks? It's simple. Um, mm-hmm. The colors work. <clears throat> what, like, how did how did that transpire? Like, did the name come? Uh, after, because I know, like, um, I've told Ron before, like, a lot of podcasts I watch is like the Joe Budden podcast, whatever. And I know his couple of his episodes mm-hmm. in the earlier on was like, I'll name this podcast later. So, yeah, how did Hacker Valley like come about? It's uh, this is a funny story. I'll start it off because I'll say this is how I know that me and Chris are best friends because the name before Hacker Valley was not good. I was trying to do like some. SEO with my YouTube channel at the time. I like I said, I was making like these exploitation videos and whatnot, and DevOps was a big thing. And there was this term sec DevOps or DevSecOps. People use them interchangeably. So I was like, hmm, what if I bought one of these domains? So I bought secdevops.ai. I wanted to hit like everything that I was interested in, plus every keyword. So <laughs> the the podcast when we first got started. And before we knew it was a podcast, really, it was called SecDevOps.ai. If you go back to episode one, like Chris was saying, you'll hear, welcome to SecDevOps.ai. And uh, ultimately, we knew we knew we had to change it. But Chris was really, I would say, instrumental in getting us the right name. I think you you pretty much picked it, right? So uh, here, here's the, the the quick story of it. The quick story was... So you got four guys, you got Marco Figueroa, uh, Marco Figueroa, you got Napoleon Bing, Ronald Eddings, and you got Chris Cochran. And we're all in the house. And so we decided like, hey, if we're going to like go all in on personal growth and development, we're going to go all in on getting better as practitioners. Let's divide the house up in different sections. And so my goal was to set up the networking within the, the house. And so I got some Orbeez because I was a big Netgear fan at the time. Got them set up and through throughout the house. So we had nice connectivity and uh, we had to name the Wi-Fi. And so we were just kind of kicking around some names and we realized that like, hey, you know, you know, we're hackers. We're in Silicon Valley and we live in this hacker mansion. And so the name of the Wi-Fi was Hacker Valley Mansion. And when we were all sitting in the kitchen one day, we were talking about renaming SecDevOps.ai. And we just said, hey, what if we just said, you know, Hacker Valley Studio, right? We're hackers in the valley and we do everything up in the studio. And I remember it was almost like that was our our, our coming out of stealth party because we went to my house. We were in my backyard. We were in the gazebo. We were popping bottles. I don't even know what we were popping bottles for because it, it wasn't like we we went public or anything like that. We just renamed the podcast. <laughs> we, but we just felt like it was such an important step. And our trajectory was such a uh, an important step in our story that uh, we had to commemorate it in somehow. But that's where the name came from. That's dope. That's uh, that's definitely dope. For whatever reason, when uh, well, you moved to California, and so I was thinking about. I just remembered like the uh, mansion. The mansion wasn't in California, right? It was. It was, it was in San Jose. Oh. That, so that's why I was thinking about like, hmm, California, the valley. So I kind of thought like, <laughs> is that where kind of like the valley part came from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, that's dope. So 
I want to talk about uh, after the name, how did you guys go about, because we all know, like when you first started podcasting, it's not like outside of just doing it for the love, which is mm-hmm. great, but people have bills. We have bills. Yeah. <laughs> how did you guys transition from going from there to getting back by like a major player, you know, in cybersecurity and um, Exonius? How did that, how did that happen? Like, cause I only knew about uh, Exonius because uh, our client at the time, well, I can say it on here's my podcast. Uh, when I worked <laughs> for Optive, uh, we supported Disney. And so they used to use uh, Exonius. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. They use an ex- uh, they're sponsored by Exonius. Like, that's crazy to me. So how, like, how did that happen? Like, I don't think they get celebrated enough, like, from people that kind of, like, watch you enough. So I'm going to, you know, big you guys up for that. Hang on. No, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, if I'm not mistaken, that was probably one of the first setups that a cybersecurity practitioner has ever had with a brand. Uh, we had started monetizing our show around 2020, right? Right at the, the beginning of COVID. <clears throat> and it just grew from there. <clears throat> and we said, what, you know, what can we do with this? Like, how can we be as valuable for other folks as they can be to us, like from a, a fiscal standpoint? And so we just started delivering value. We started connecting brands with the people that trust us in, in the space. And it's been super, super fruitful. And one day, you know, we just said, you know, we, we, we want to continue to make more content, right? The podcasting is great. We want to make videos. We want to make documentaries. We want to make short form videos. We want to do micro content. And one day we just reached out to uh, Nate Burke, you know, Nate Burke, he used instrumental and a, a lot of stuff that we're doing today and said, hey, you know, you know, you guys think outside of the box. We've done some uh, sponsorship stuff together. What if we really united together for the next year or so and did something special? And that honestly completely changed our trajectory. I would say one was renaming uh, SecDevOps AI to uh, Hacker Valley uh, Studio, which became Hacker Valley Media. And another inflection point was the relationship with us, Nathan Burke and Exonius, because then we came out with Technically Divided. Uh, we, we got to do the Simone Biles campaign stuff that we were doing. We were going to conferences, doing live streaming from there. We, we just started creating all these different styles of content, really pushing our creative uh, powers. And uh, I would say that half of the reason that we're creating the content we have today is because we had that opportunity to try things differently to give things a try. And uh, honestly, that's that's how we got to the space that we're at today. Yeah. Chris is very persistent. He's very <laughs> open to conversations. And it was honestly just a question. A question that Chris and Chris asked Nate, like, you know, what do you think about joining forces, seeing how big of a splash that we can make? And I think anyone can be surprised and, you know, thrilled with, the responses that you'll get when you want to help someone get better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you help someone, you're often helping yourself. Man, that's that's just crazy, man. I remember, uh, I think like last year, you guys like was, which which year, I want to say probably like last year, because like coming off of 2020 and then 2021, travel was kind of like kind of iffy. But I will say, was right. last year like the year where you guys like probably like did the most conferences that you guys went to? It was a lot. It definitely was a lot. I yeah. would say it was probably pretty close to our first year because I think in 2019 we were traveling around to all the SANS conferences. Uh, that was quite a bit. Uh, but I would say that last year was a, a big year for travel for us. So we got to do a lot of 
mixing and mingling and meeting and greeting different folks. And Ron got to start developing this thing we were calling Hacker Valley on the road, where it really captured all of our adventures and the people that we were meeting. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll let Ron touch on that for a little bit. Okay. You know what's crazy about travel last year, 2022 versus 2019? In 2019, we were a lot smaller. We weren't making money off the podcast. So we were really in the trenches. Like we were with interacting with everybody that we could. There was this uh, one gentleman. He's been our A1 day one. His name was Will Rankin. Um, he met me when I was just, you know, working at a vendor. I was doing security automation and he was like, yo, Ron, Hacker Valley, what's going on, man? And at this moment, I was like, we got a podcast. Like, I don't, we don't really show our face on it. How does this guy know me? But and we didn't really have like thousands of downloads at that time either. But he came up and we 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 chilled with him. We brought him on our podcast. And 2019 was when I would say we were, you know, very consistent and we were gunslingers. <laughs> we were doing things by the hip. Last year was very structured. So like even though we had opportunities to meet and greet people, everything was very planned and detailed. We actually had to hire an EA because we were traveling so much. Mm -hmm. And now like we when we show up to events, the work I feel like is almost already done. Like today when I logged on my computer, all the work was already done. Um so I think that's been like the the big thing when it comes to travel but also like difference from then versus now. That's dope. I definitely um, want to get like you guys, especially going to some of the um, like podcast conferences and, and other maybe uh, security mm -hmm. conferences, maybe some this year. We shall see in my schedule. Yeah. For that. Have you been able to go to any? Um, I only went to one conference last year. So mm -hmm. last year I got to go to Afrotech. Uh, I oh, plan cool. to go this year. Yeah. I was telling Ron I wanted to go to. I forgot which one of those podcast conferences, but it's one like podcast one of those, movement. Hey, let's go. Yeah. It was one of those. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think it's like early. What, either you say, like, I think the small ones in March and then like the bigger ones in the summer or something like mm -hmm. that. Yep. Um, so I've just been researching that and just wanted to get out there and network. And I think it's important to, so it was like two sides. Like for me, like Afrotech was cool because of course people were there trying to get jobs, just networking, mm -hmm. but everybody there isn't a creator. So, um, Going somewhere, there are people that are creators or podcasters is different because those like-minded individuals and everyone is trying to figure out how can we get better or networking or, hey, oh, you you seem like you're good at this. You know, let's work together. So that's kind of like the the method behind that. But um, let's talk about now, I guess, like now that you guys have you know turned this into a business, let's talk about like some of the things now in, you know, entrepreneurship about like what are some things you learned like we'll go into um i have a question right here about like branding like what are like some and we'll talk we'll probably make this more specific to podcasts what are like some mm -hmm. common branding mistakes that you know entrepreneurs make in this case like to podcasts like have you seen any mistakes that like podcasts are making when it comes to that because like we say it's it's hard <laughs> it is um, yeah there's a uh, one big one that i think Every new creator struggles with, you know, maybe even cybersecurity practitioners that are trying to stand out is continuity. Having mm -hmm. a brand like a similar set of colors, visual references, and also uh, text behind it. I think that really helps differentiate you from everyone else. When you try to say, hey, I'm just in cybersecurity, it's very vague and it's honestly confusing. 
Um, and that's how it was when we were still called SecDevOps.ai. It was very confusing. Like, what, what, what is that? Um, but Hacker Valley Studio, at least you know that you know that there's hackers and there's also a studio. Maybe you'll put it in your mind like there's a video or audio component to it. Uh, but I think having a strategy is something that creators learn very far into their journey. But if you have a strategy towards the beginning, not before you start, but towards the beginning, it's going to take you a long way. And it's one of the mistakes to avoid. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the biggest mistakes that you can make whenever you're creating a podcast, a YouTube channel, a blog, whatever it is, is not really understanding who you're talking to, right? If you're trying to talk to everyone, you end up talking to no one. So really being clear, like, hey, I'm going to make this podcast specifically for incident commanders that are working in the high tech space, right? The the riches are in the niches is what they say. So really being clear and then that enables you to be empathetic to whatever that plight is, because then you understand the pain points. You understand what are the needs, what are the, 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 the tips, the tricks that this particular demographic needs. So if you don't really understand who you're talking to, you're going to have a hard time getting any type of traction. Yep. What, what have you learned? I mean, you've been at the this for over two years, you know, drop some nuggets on us as well. <laughs> um. So what you guys are uh, alluding to is kind of what I learned in like doing like my massive um, understanding of like YouTube mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to your content or, you know, telling people like in the early on in the beginnings, Hey, you know, if you like information, if you like videos on like cybersecurity or, you know, getting your resume done or career advice, you know, you know make sure you check out the channel or subscribe, kind of just doing that kind of call to action in the beginning, letting them know mm. if this is what you're looking for, you know, please like come here. Like I'm going to talk about stuff that you want to hear about. So I definitely think that's true because we do sometimes see content that's all over the place. And that's one of the reasons why it's, you know, it's not sticking. Like when I, I had a couple of friends that were creators, I'm like, oh, well, you're kind of sometimes over here or you're over there. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not really landing with, with your your core audience. And and we know most of the time the people that are subscribed to us aren't the people that even view our videos mostly. They're coming from a lot of unsubscribed people. So mm. the thing is also, it's like, how do we, we get them in? And um, I learned that from consistency and, and trying to get better constantly trying to um make my videos like i was uh, telling ron i finally got someone that could like just edit my videos for me so this they're actually going to take the first step at doing this it'll be like me like giving somebody my baby and seeing what they're going <laughs> to do with it because uh, i just been so hands-on uh just because i would like to be me being the reason if i crash or burn versus like somebody else which I think it's kind of mm -hmm. a hard thing to do, but it's only so much time I have. So definitely finding that's like been a, a huge help for me. But um, also I will say what I've learned for branding that can help. Cause uh, for me, I don't even come from like a entrepreneur, entrepreneurial like background, like right. from like blue collar family, like hardworking dad did um, concrete. So I used to do like concrete mm -hmm. in like high school and like college when I wasn't doing retail and mom used to do retail at Walmart and then moved into like childcare. Um, so I learned a lot, which is cool. I think like one of the best hands-on things you could do is like start a business and and see how it, it, it works for you. And um, I think knowing your why, I, I mm -hmm. think really helps uh, you a lot. Huge. And kind of telling uh, things about yourself, being transparent with your potential 
clients or people that are watching your content. I think that helps a lot um, because a lot of people come to me because they go through these two and a half years of like videos or podcast episodes where I'm being very transparent about my career or talking about things someone may be going through. And mm-hmm. so I think those are some of the things of why people will continue to tune in or tune in more or share it out with people. And I think that's the kind of things that people should focus on. It's like, you know, that's how you figure out who wants to listen and who's not and how you figure out what your like, kind of like your target audience will be. It's, it's much more believable than trying to come on. Somebody just coming out of nowhere, you know, have no idea about them. And then I just start uh, spouting like a lot of these different things that we see about the kind of the characters that we see kind of like on YouTube, like it may work for a little while, but then it may just go down just because it's just not sustainable to try to manufacture something you're not. And some people try Mm -hmm. to pivot and it doesn't work for them in the beginning, just because of, they just weren't honest in the, you know, in Mm -hmm. the beginning. You know, there's a lot, there's a big difference between building a brand and building a business. And I want to say for Hacker Valley, we've we honestly built our business before we really built our brand. Like our business was always in the podcasting uh, space, but went from a visual perspective, you you didn't really get to see Hacker Valley too much, but mm-hmm. you always got to hear it. And it wasn't until uh, the start of the pandemic, 2020, where we started identifying and portraying our visual brand. So like mm-hmm. that was, you know, two very different uh, parts of our journey. Yeah. And the one thing I got to say about you, Henri, is that in the beginning of the podcast, you talked about looking at, at us as examples. But we'd have to say that we're looking at you as an example now uh, with some of the micro content that we've been doing. We've been gearing some of our micro content towards the professional. Right. How do you get the most out of your profession in cybersecurity? How do you show up for interviews? How do you do some of the stuff? And I, I know you've been doing that. You've also been doing stuff on Patreon, like you're doing your your cyber coaching. And we're actually getting ready to come out with a cyber career accelerator ourselves. So I, I'd have to, number one, commend you on the stuff that you're doing in that space, because I'm sure you're helping thousands of people at this point. But what are some of the, the what, what are one or maybe even two of the things that you've learned by helping all these people? Like, how do you give people the most valuable value possible uh, when you're doing stuff like that? Well, cool. Well, first of all, thanks for um, the praise. Uh, it really means a lot coming from you too. Uh, I think what I've learned is one, and this might be like a, a like an overview or a high level um, answer, is that most clients don't know what direction they're going to go in because out here in the uh, where you go LinkedIn or TikTok or wherever you go, mm-hmm. it's information overload. Yep. So a lot of people have information overload at this point. So what I've realized is, hey, let's um, keep it simple, stupid. Let's get down to the the basics and, and let's figure out, okay, hey, you want to do this job? Okay, boom. Do you have the skills on, on these job descriptions that you're looking for? Mm-hmm. If they don't have that, it's okay, let's work on these things. Hey, I recommend these instructors, these courses, I use some of these, they are good. You know, let's focus on your networking. Let's right. focus on marketing yourself. Hey, you know, let's start a blog. And a lot of times, you know, I have people that, you know, I'm not the best writer or all these other things that they, you know, come up with. And I say, I understand that, but this thing is going to help you do two things. It's going to help you uh, write better. And then 
when you're documenting your journey, you're also going to remember these things when it comes to the interviews, right? I mm-hmm. think interviews may be like the biggest thing that some people struggle with. And right. um, one of the simple solutions is, hey, record yourself. I record like a lot of my interviews. I tell people all the time, I said, even me being a decade in, I've had interviews where I'm shaky. I was like, mm-hmm. interviewing his own skill set. <laughs> and this of like, you know, um, I was telling you guys earlier about uh, Microsoft, that first, they have this thing when you get past the uh, screening and the hiring manager, they have Microsoft Loop. So my first Loop interview was like four interviews. My first Loop interview, I was kind of nervous because <laughs> it was mm-hmm. Microsoft. And I was transitioning uh, from trying to like my, la- my last world, uh, JP Morgan was more GRC uh, data analytics, like compliance stuff. So stuff I didn't want to do. So like kind of like for the last year, like I talked about my quit video, it was like, you know, I wasn't super technical. So mm-hmm. I felt like I kind of lost some of my skills. So going into that first one, I knew the stuff, mm-hmm. but I wasn't doing it on a day-to-day anymore. I was kind of very nervous. But mm-hmm. uh, hats off to the interviewer. He actually eased me down and got me comfortable, which I, I tell people all the time too. It's like kind of in the beginning of your interview, you can kind of see where it's going to go and how it's going to be. If the person says, y'all want to just talk, or they just going to nitpick your resume and <laughs> it can go like that. So it's like, it's crazy. I, I I think that's one of the things like me being able to talk about my experience in a way that's digestible for my clients and, you know, my audience is been helpful for them. Like keeping it like my analysis. I, every time I try to talk, like even a thing like this or somewhere, if I have a guest on, I try to make a simple analogy right then and there off the top of my head that they can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most recent ones that comes to memory was um, I was having this episode I did with uh, Nigel and he's in threat intelligence and vulnerability management. And for the audience, I explained to them the difference between like just regular internet and the dark web. And I said, them, Hey, on Lion King, when uh, Mufasa said you can go visit everything the light touches, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's the normal internet. Anything mm-hmm. behind that, you know, that's the, uh, what is it called? It's not the prior lens. It's something else. But I said, that's the dark web. Mm-hmm. So trying to take things like that is like, you know, because a lot of times people don't want to know, like, of course, they need to know the technical jargon. But right. mm-hmm. it's a thing like I talked about in my LinkedIn learning course, knowing your audience. So mm-hmm. that applies in the corporate world as well as when we come to like content creation. If we just want to go through like all the terms they talk about in SEC plus, CISSP, uh, any other cert that we could think of, would it be good? Yes. Would it be as entertaining? No. Would people watch it? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Everyone mm-hmm. doesn't understand what that stuff is. So I would think those are like some of the things that uh that I've learned and how I just try to, you know, get them on track. And sometimes even with clients, I realize that, you know, they're not far away from their goal. I, sometimes I tell them and say, hey, you're super close. You just need to do this and this. Right. And potentially you should get there. But I always tell them this is doable, but it's not going to be easy. I tell people that mm-hmm. all the time. I say I try to get that, you know, out of their mind from what they've seen on the Internet. I was like, I've had people that I've helped that's got a job next week. I've had people that's taken a couple of months. So I was like, it could depend. It, sometimes you know, a, a mix of luck, mix of hard work, mix of if you start trying to execute on the things that I'm telling you to, it'll work. I have someone. We had a consultation last week and before we even had a consult, she reached out to me on LinkedIn and I just kind of gave her some advice and she started executing on it. And I mm-hmm. love working with those people. If you execute on what I'm telling you, I'm actually more inclined to help you more, even if you want a client, just because like 
you are putting in the work and you're showing me that um, you value what I say to you and my time. So I'm going to try to help you. I'm going to try to send recruiters your way or jobs your way. So that's kind of some of the things that I've, I've noticed over doing this like over almost three years now. Mm. Awesome. You know, we got to give you your flowers too. I got a sound effects here. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, real quick for you guys, like uh, what are your strategies or methods for like content creation? Because, you know, everyone has like their own uh, different things. And I think what people are learning now is your content creation, maybe strategy possibly has to be different based on the platform mm-hmm. you're uploading to. Like I know when it comes to LinkedIn, I can use shout out to ChatGPT. I can use ChatGPT to say, "Hey, help me come up with a LinkedIn uh, right. post under like 500 characters and blah blah blah." And I could post it with either a full video or a snippet, and it's possibly going to do like some some decent numbers. Mm-hmm. But when that comes to TikTok, TikTok is not like that. I could do I could say maybe an SEO caption and try to find the right hashtags, and it could be hit or miss, you know. And then link IG reels is a little bit easier and shorts to me is easier. Cause all I need is really is a title. Mm-hmm. If you have a decent title with shorts and by the, when they get in, I want to say, uh, cause I sent the, the guy to, uh, to run, uh, what's his name? Something Benjamin. But mm-hmm. if people start watching it and I think they start watching like over 80% or a hundred percent of the content, then that's going to, that's going to do easy numbers. Like people are just mm-hmm. going to keep on watching it. So kind of what's been you guys' uh, approach to like content creation um, recently and how you guys putting out such high quality content, you know, on a daily basis. That's uh, really our strategy these days is, is quality. Um, sometimes I think it, it could be very difficult. Like you're talking about with getting the right, words in your description or even the right words in your video as well or audio podcast. Uh, but we try to make sure that everything that we have control over is nearly perfect. Like the, the microphones that we use, the lights, the cameras, our team even, um, you know, surrounding ourselves with people that are, you know, that have that growth mindset and mentality. Uh, but when it comes to like, I guess, getting into like how we approach the content from like the subject matter, uh, we just do our research. Uh, Chris is a is a shark at finding <laughs> ac- exceptional guests. Uh, he's really good at it. And I think where I you know provide a lot of value is bringing up some of the topics for the for the show, but also making sure that we have that coordination before we get started. So when we were doing our show, uh, technically divided, which is about the most divisive topics in technology, uh, it was a new project for us. It was a video show. We had to hire a director, um, and this was, you know, thanks to Axonius, you know, supporting this project. Uh, but we hired a, di- a director, and not only did he direct, uh, like all of the nuance and esoteric information about video production that we didn't know, but he also served as a producer. And the producer was someone, which was uh, this gentleman Ian uh, Van Allen. He coordinates the guests. He coordinates to make sure that we have the right. Uh, topics plan for the guests. So, like he'll ask us questions about the, the the topic and the guests, but also um, giving out information to everyone before the shoot. Uh, that is critical. Like making sure that your guests are comfortable. One of the first questions that Chris always asks our guests when they come on our podcast is: Is there anything that we could say, do, mention, or bring up to make this the best experience for you? That one question alone 
you could almost hear some of the tension that guests have of being a little nervous, just ease off right in the beginning of uh, asking them that question. So I think uh, it's, it's still, you know, th- those answers are still about making sure it's the best quality over the hottest topics or the most trendy topics. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that, especially with doing guest style content um, is definitely uh, harder than what people may you know, believe it is, uh, especially <laughs> like we were talking about. If you based on different personality types, you might have somebody, you know, that you get on your oh, they love to talk. This is going to be easy. You get somebody that <laughs> doesn't like to talk where you got to draw it out of them, you know, but eventually it gets better. So I definitely um, I definitely agree with you on that one. When it comes to, and this is one of the things that's still harder for me, because like I said, I, I still, I understand YouTube way better than I understand when it comes to podcast downloads, right? Like mm-hmm. YouTube, I know, okay, cool, SEO title, uh, intriguing thumbnail, uh, decent description, you know, uh, CTR, um, audience retention. Like, I understand that. That's, that's easier to do. Get better on your video, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the podcast, it doesn't necessarily work the same way like a YouTube does. Like when you're trying to increase your downloads, you know, knowing like, like for me, it's like, man, I know this is a good episode. How do I get it to, you know, reach other people without having to probably go bang down different doors of mm-hmm. getting on these different podcast <laughs> newsletters and yeah. getting people to actually just share it a lot like that's like, I'll probably say our listeners who maybe think about starting a podcast or who already have a podcast may have the same questions. Like, how do they go about getting better podcast downloads? How do they do that? Here, here's the the secret. You ready? Secret is you can have a good podcast or you can create a remarkable podcast. And what I mean by that is you want people to remark on the, the thing that you've created, whether it's you amplifying someone else's story, you telling your story and the experiences you've had in cybersecurity, but really make it something that people are finding worth sharing. Someone that's, oh, you got to hear this. They talked about X, Y, and Z. Today, I'm going to share this with, with my network. That's honestly how podcasts really grow. Sure, you could do all the things like you were talking about. You could do ads and stuff. But when you have something that is of worth and you share it with folks, folks are going to talk about it. And sometimes if it's so good, you don't have to even ask them to talk about it. They just do it on their own accord because they say, hey, this is valuable. I found value in this piece of content. And so I'm going to share with all my friends because I hope they get the same value that I did. Yeah. Cause I was telling our run, I was like, I don't really think, I mean, ads may work, but I don't think they work the best when it comes to, especially like just audio podcasts. I think right. uh, the best thing is sharing and figuring out also, I guess how the algorithm is working the Apple podcast, Google podcast, um, Spotify, just seeing how they work, like how long do people need to listen before it starts realizing uh, this is a good one. I also know like getting people actually to comment and review your podcast helps out a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the ones not hard. It was kind of not hard for people to do because I've had some, but it's one of the things I constantly forget sometimes to do like in the outro saying, Hey, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. I'm here. Like, make sure you're going to leave a comment for the you know podcast. It really helps out. Like I try to remember it, but it's not yeah. one of the ones I remember all the time, but it's yeah. like, you know, if I go back to learn about YouTube, it's like that call to action, right? You know, Mm-hmm. direct your audience on what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you, you got to use the opportunity because people might want to. They just don't even it doesn't even dawn on them to to do it. Like, oh man, I love this show so much and when you say, "Hey, feel free to leave me a review." They say, "Hey, 
you know what? I'm going to do that right now. So I, I think CTAs are huge, especially uh, when you're talking about podcasts. You know what I'll, I'll also say on top of what you, you guys both said is the CTA is great and you, you absolutely need it. But you also have to make that initial post or brag or whatever it may be to ask people to watch it. I think that's where it always starts is you sharing it with that first person or that first set of people. Mm-hmm. And without that, it's very, very difficult for your content or your media to travel anywhere without sharing it with others yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. Um, and this last little bit of the portion of the podcast, guys, I kind of want to touch on what you guys are uh, doing with cybertainment. You know, that's a phrase that you don't hear all the time that uh, hopefully you guys have coined as well, mm-hmm. just because um, I think that's the one of the things missing, right? For me, if I even go, not necessarily on podcasting space, but if I go into something that I kind of like get bored at doing when it comes to work is how mundane and tedious uh, security awareness training is, right? Mm-hmm. It's it normally everyone who's like listening and done security awareness training for is I also talked about this on the, uh, I think it was the episode I did about like the Uber breach It's like how easy it is to pass it. No one, how people don't pay attention to it. Cause it's like, it's the same thing, like every either quarter, every half, mm-hmm. no, every six months, every year. Um, so when you said something like cyber time, I said, I thought about how engaging that could be from a standpoint of companies maybe saying, Oh, we like this content right here. Cause you guys, you know, make some, educational yet entertaining type of stuff people actually pay attention to that will actually help them, you know, do better in our companies to keep us from breaches. So that's some of the things I just thought about with cybertainment, but, uh, in your, uh, in you guys' own words, like, uh, what was the the thought of behind like cybertainment and kind of where you guys see like cybertainment, like taking off to, uh, this year? Yeah. So the thought there and, uh, for anyone that doesn't know, and you keep m- mentioning like, oh, me and Ron were just talking. We had a mastermind, uh, Henri and I, and we 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 did this breakdown of the use of a use case that me and Chris worked on called Cybertainment. And cybersecurity, Cybertainment is cybersecurity education and entertainment along with information. Uh, we start. I came up with the idea because I wanted to create a Stephen A. Smith level show. I, I Stephen A. Smith has the best clips on YouTube. For my viewing taste, because it's short, sweet and punchy Uh, Mm -hmm. and it's very opinionated. I felt as though cybersecurity does not have enough opinions. We have a lot of great leaders that talk about the best way to lead, but we don't have enough people saying this is what is great and this is what is not great about the technology. You know, a lot of people are getting burnt out in cybersecurity because Mm -hmm. of faulty technology. Then, you know, IR, the SOC. You would only be spending hours and hours and hours of time doing the same thing over and over again if you're insane or you have some bad practices or tech. So, mm-hmm. like, I wanted to bring people in that could kind of release the myth that we have to keep doing the same, doing things the same way and give a non politically correct answer. But it ultimately evolved into something a lot different. Uh, we're going to still circle back for that, you know, opinionated piece at some point. But cybertainment is, you know, really more on the education uh, entertainment side where we're mm-hmm. entertaining people while giving them their veggies as well. It's like almost like parenting, mm-hmm. tricking the kids, giving them a little bit of veggies with the sweetness, 
Uh, but that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's like I was telling you in uh, in the mastermind that um, I think it's cool uh, the fact that some of the stuff that you guys are doing. I I really do think that um, that form of content will pick up steam, especially on TikTok and uh, IG because those people do want to be entertained. Like mm-hmm. my better performing uh, TikToks are most of the time with something that is like more like entertaining or funny or something that I stitched. Um, so definitely, I think, I think you guys are, you're on it. Like eventually it's going to get in the algorithm and, and the people are going to see it because I don't think anyone else was doing some of the things that you guys were doing when it came to some of those shorts. Uh, so uh, definitely Appreciate hats that. off to you guys Appreciate for uh, being innovative in cybersecurity because it's needed. Everyone's still kind of doing the same things. And like you said, there's no one saying what's good and bad. And and that's what uh, I, I still typically try to do when I have time when it comes to really just think about it. We are on LinkedIn, right? We, we see these articles. Oh, uh, 4 million jobs are open in cybersecurity yet. It's so hard for people to get entry levels. And so that's mm-hmm. why I come in and actually line by line and kind of debunk or, and do so many things. Like I pulled up a, uh, the listings from CyberSeek, and I was showing what they were trying to lump in together as cybersecurity. I was like, this is why the numbers are inflated. Because right. if it was this many people that need these jobs, they would just give them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I kind of said somewhat of a conspiracy theory to get people to get certifications. Mm. Um, so if they get certified, they can get these, some of these roles and um, do other things like that. So I think it's just like... Um, and I want to touch on this too long because I want to actually probably do more research and actually put together like a really uh, thought provoking uh, episode about return to work. Like mm. I made a post two weeks ago about, you know, four days in the office is uh, not hybrid. You had people saying, well, technically it is hybrid because one day is not an office. So I was like, <laughs> no, it's 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 definitely not hybrid. Um but, you know, I'm starting to see even I have my biases towards like working in the office. Uh, I don't mind going into the office, but mm-hmm. I would rather that choice be up to me if it's something that, you know, I could do from home versus forcing me there. But I also know, hey, when these companies came into these cities, they made promises of, oh, we're going to have these high paying people in your area. So these people will frequent these local businesses. So now. I read something that uh, either New York and Manhattan lost like a billion dollars or something like that because people are working from home. So people aren't shopping in the vicinity. So as much as I complain, other people complain, some of it is not just people One, even though the headlines may say, oh, remote work is bad. Some of those people do feel like that. But others is like the company's like, we would love for them to be at home, but we may have to do this to for whatever agreements or contractual things that we made to help out this city. Now, how does that work long term? I don't know. Some companies got ahead of it and said, we'll just go remote because to me, I feel like you will save more money working, like having a remote workforce versus having these expensive offices. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that big of a selling point anymore because now, last couple of times when I was in office, I couldn't even work because everyone's in meetings and talking the whole time. So right. I'm just like, I'd rather be at home where everyone's not on the meeting. I could just do my work. <laughs> so that's kind of what I thought uh, about that. And I will not go into a long spiel about it. Um, <laughs> I can ask you guys your quick thoughts on it. <laughs> and then uh, I got something else for you guys. My only thought there is, yeah, I agree. Like if you're doing four days in the office, I don't know if I'll call that remote or hybrid or any anything besides 
you just don't go into the office one day a week. Um, I think that you can already do that by just calling out sick. So it's not really it's not really hybrid. I don't I, I would not want to go into an office and work in cybersecurity because I don't find it to be productive per se. When I when in when I worked in an office the last time, I was working with clients uh, on the phone with a lot of uh, organizations helping them with security automation. And that was productive, but I can't imagine like triaging alerts or incidents and feeling productive in a place outside of my comfort zone. Yeah, I would say the there's pros and cons to going into the office uh, versus being completely remote. I would say that the the further you pull away from like an in-person like interaction, the you put it online, maybe it's just audio only. There's like several layers of abstraction that you kind of have to get through to really understand someone's viewpoint. I feel like building those bonds is a little easier in person. Not to say it's impossible to do it remotely, but I would say that, you know, there's definitely pros and cons of either going into the office and being able to kind of have that camaraderie or, you know, being remote where it gives you a little bit more freedom, a little bit more flexibility for meetings. And you could be in Hong Kong in one second and the next meetings with somebody in uh, California. So there's, there's, there's those benefits as well. I definitely agree. Um, so I know we're, we're nearing time to end, but what would be something that you would like to leave our audience with, with, uh, in regards to either just stepping out, want to rebrand or thinking about starting a podcast or even whether it's just starting a business kind of, what would be some things that you guys would want to leave that the audience with? I would say uh, find your find your voice, right? A lot of folks say, oh, I'm not going to start another podcast because there's so many. There are so many, but right now there are none with you as the host. So I would say that bring your personality, bring your experience, bring your curiosity into whatever it is that you're creating. And, and you really can't go wrong because it's you. It's authentic. And uh, there's definitely going to be an audience for it. Love it. What I, what I would add to it is. Uh, surround yourself with people that you want to be more like. And if you're listening to this, you know, you got to hit subscribe on uh, Henri's podcast, whether it's here on audio or video. But also, you know, we got uh, Hacker Valley Studio along with a slew of other shows. And both of, you know, Henri's content and our content, we have this opportunity for people to reach out and stay connected through our communities. So I think that's really the best thing. Find your community and and really help them get better while also seeing yourself grow as well. That's dope, man. I really, uh, I really appreciate you guys for actually coming through for the, uh, to the podcast. It's kind of been like a long time in the making guys. Wow. We all don't know. They are like extremely busy. <laughs> so, uh, when I was finally just able to tap back in and, um, finally get a, a date down, I was like, I knew I had to go ahead and get this in for our audience. Yes. So especially like, so if you guys have made it this far, please make sure you go check out Hacker Valley. Um, they have a lot of like dope content, dope, 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 especially when it comes to the production side. Uh, it's very good. It's pretty much, you know, I like to use this word superb. So I would definitely go check that out. Um, also, make sure you go check out their YouTube channel, Hacker Valley as well. They're finally they're doing more uh, video. Uh, so please go support them over there. They have some some great interviews. Recently did one with a good friend of mine, McKenna. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely go check that out. Um, 
But also, if you're on here, you know what to do. Ron already told you to please go ahead and leave a comment, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Or check out the website, thetextualtalk.com. Join our mailing list so you can be notified when we're having dope episodes like these. But as I always say, guys, until next time, let's stay textual and we're out.